0: I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself. Well, it's not true. In fact, if you're a leader or a manager, it's your obligation to change other people, to help them become better at what they do, to become stronger. And if you care about the people in your life, then it's your longing to help them change in ways that support their own growth. This is the subject of my newest book, which I wrote with my good friend Howie Jacobson. It's called You Can Change Other People, The Four Steps to Help Your Employees, colleagues, even family up their game. It's based on my coaching methodology that I've worked on over the past 30 years, brought to you in a practical, step-by-step format that you can start using immediately. You can get it wherever books are sold. To download a sample chapter, either in written form or audio version, visit bregmanpartners.com forward slash new book. That's one word, bregmanpartners.com forward slash new book. And if you've already enjoyed You Can Change Other People, Please consider leaving a review on Amazon to help others just like you discover the book. Now, on to today's episode Today is Michael Bungay Stanier. He is a close friend of mine. He's an awesome, awesome guy. I'm very, very happy to be uh, sharing you with the audience today. Uh, <laughs> Michael has been on this podcast beforehand uh, yeah. and um, he wrote the not just best selling book, The Coaching Habit, but it has sold a million copies. Uh, and not only that, but it is entirely produced by, by Michael. It was You know, he did not go through a traditional publisher, and he uh, wanted this book, the, The Coaching Habit, to be simple, interesting, humorous, a fast read, incredibly valuable, and he obviously succeeded a million copies later. He has now written a new book called How to Begin. Uh, and, and, uh, and I, I, we were just talking about and looking at the title of how to begin it's, I mean, sorry, the cover of how to begin, which, um, which is amazing because the, I'll just explain it to you. If you're listening to this podcast, you won't be able to see it, which is that the book begins on the cover um and and it just gets you right going which i think is you know symbolically beautiful and right on uh, how to Thank begin you. start doing something that matters so we're here to talk about that book with michael michael it's a long introduction to say welcome to the bregman <laughs> leadership podcast
1: Peter, it is nice to be back it, even even though i've been here before you're still inviting me back and that's because i have some photographs of you in compromising positions so <laughs> you just keep keep having me back until I release the negatives but thank you it's i love chatting with you you know you and i kind of geek out about the same sort of stuff we're walking similar paths in life so you know it's just a pleasure to hang out with you as it always is
0: well you always have an open invitation on the podcast i love thank having you. conversations with you and if in order to have conversations with you i have to film them then great i'll do that too <laughs> So, so let's talk about uh, how to begin and I, I i love i love this book and I love this concept right this idea because it really is hard like once I'm in something it's not a problem I'll keep going and mm-hmm. and I, I I remember going on a bike ride once and it was raining and I went out and it was one of my favorite bike rides of all time like it was fun I had the park it was Central park I went around two or three times That's I was great. muddy I was wet I was dirty <laughs> It was a little cold and I just felt great. And I came back in and someone said to me, you know, wow, you are super motivated. I'm in an apartment <laughs> building. So I bring my bike in, you know, dirty wet. No. You're super motivated. And I thought about it for a millisecond. I'm like, you know, I'm actually not. I only needed to be motivated for 20 seconds. The only right. moment of motivation I needed was to get out in the rain. Once I was in the rain, I didn't right, need right. motivation. I just had momentum. I was going.
1: That's great. Yeah, you know, for me, Peter, um, you know, you and I are both at a a similar kind of turning point in our life. We're both in our kind of, as I like to put it, our early mid 50s. So, you know, um, and when you get to this age, there's a way you start going, what am I doing with my life? And of course, that's actually a question you ask yourself at 20 and 25 and 35 and 55 and the like. So you have these crossroads. And a phrase came to me that what turned to be at the seed of this book, which is we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. And, you know, if I think about the work I'm doing, and this is true about the coaching stuff is, you know, I'm trying to unlock people's greatness. Like I want the best of people so that they're taking on the bigger things that matter. So they're making their life better, but they're making all of our lives better. And what I think happens so often is, you know, we look out the window and it's raining (laughs) and you're like, I'm not going for a bike ride in the cold, wet rain. Why would I do that? But there's something about unlocking both potential and joy when you kind of take on the hard things. I'm like, how do I help people find a process to set a worthy goal? a goal that is thrilling and important and daunting lights them up, gives more to the world than it takes, takes them to their own edge about who they are and what they know and who they want to be. And if we had more people doing that work, and I hope, you know, the listeners to the podcast saying, yeah, I I wouldn't mind a worthy goal. Then, I mean, I hope that the individual wins, but I think we all win by more people taking on the stuff that matters.
0: So I'm going to, this may sound like a, a, a stupid question, but I'm curious, you said like what I really want to do. And I, I I'm I may get the sentence wrong, but like, I really want to unlock people's uh, potential. What was the sentence you used? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably what I said. Yeah. It's yeah. like we, and, unlock, and I, we, we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. Yeah.
0: Right. So you really want to unlock people's greatness. And I'm curious about why, like, why do you, why do you, why?
1: You know, um, it's kind of about the, I mean, it's kind of about the miracle of life. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm an atheist, so I have, I don't have a kind of religious practice that I belong to, a religious community which sets up a, a way of understanding the world and connecting to the world. But you know, I read a book many years ago, Peter, by uh, Bill Bryson. It's called A Short History of Nearly Everything. I love this book. Because at the start of the book, he goes, look, I'm just trying to make science cool again, because for most of us, science was destroyed in high school by, you know, grinding through chemistry or physics or something like that. And as I read this book, it just occurred to me how deeply unlikely it is to be a human and alive on this planet right now. I mean, it's just, it's, it's extraordinary. And all sorts of random things had to happen. I mean, from Bill Bryson's book, you know, here's one random thing. We have a really large moon uh, in in our earth much larger relative to the planet than any other moon in our solar system And everyone's like well okay but who cares right here's why we care because if we hadn't had that kind of huge mars like thing burst into the earth millions of years ago and throw up the stuff that became the moon well what the moon does is it keeps our magnetic pole stable So we're a relatively stable planet. Okay, well, who cares? I'm like, well, here's why we care. Having a stable magnetic pole allows us to have seasons. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have summer, spring, fall, winter. It was like, okay, well, who cares? Well, I'm like, if we didn't have seasons, we wouldn't have agriculture. If we didn't have agriculture, we wouldn't have civilization. If we didn't have civilization, Peter and I would not be sitting here having a conversation about whatever, And I'm reading another book at the moment. This will sound a bit bleak, but it's about the great extinctions that have racked the earth every 50 million years ago and how close life has come to being wiped out continuously over the last 100 million years through volcanoes and and meteors and whatever else. So there's just something to say. Look, it is absolutely extraordinary to be a, a, a human being, with a consciousness and autonomy and a way of seeing the world right now and life is precious and civilization is precious and i just want that to last as long as possible
0: so i i um, i've thought about this a lot recently and i want to share it with you and get your perspective on it which is i i've come to the same thing right i think like like there are Billions of people. I think the, I think I looked this up and it was like 128 billion people who have existed since the beginning of time. If you add up like every, right. And, and I'm one of them, (laughs) like, right. right? Only one, like I'm one of them, right. You're one of them. Everyone listening is one of them. I remember this amazing moment when I was really, really young and I realized like, oh my God, like I'm a person. What are the chances? Like I'm thinking this right now. I'm thinking, (laughs) you know, and, and it's um, I'm seeing out of my eyes. I'm having this conversation right now in this planet over, you know, eons of time and 128 billion. I don't know if that's exactly the right number, but, but, you know, of people and, and it's, and so, and I remember, by the way, uh, there was a Calvin and Hob- uh, Hobbes cartoon. The great where,
1: philosophers of our time. Exactly. exactly. Such a good cartoon, yeah.
0: And Calvin came up to that point and Hobbes says, wow, it's amazing. What are you going to do? And Calvin thinks <laughs> and he goes, let's go watch some TV. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, so there's a way of looking at that and saying like, wow, like how important is it that I actually make something of myself? Yeah. But then I also think like, I look at these people who go out to create greatness in the world sometimes, you know, like Facebook, Hmm. for example, Mark Zuckerberg, like, is that actually making the world a better place or is it (laughs) making it a worse place? And who's to say that a single conversation I have with someone in a grocery store that does something, I don't know what, because I don't understand how the world works, but I, I have a single conversation with someone that touches them in a particular kind of way. That That is not more earth shattering than, you know, building a massive company and, you know, ch- quote unquote, I'm going out there yeah. to change the world. And I, I think about this a lot and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it.
1: So the book is, um, I think the book is, there's a little bit of misdirection that goes on in the book. Because if you come back to that, that phrase that seeded this, we unlock our greatness by working on the hard things. It's about unlocking our greatness and taking on a worthy goal which isn't just about what gets you your life it's not just about making people rich or having a big company it's like how do you do something that is thrilling that speaks to your values and who you are in the world how do you do something that is important that gives more to the world than it takes you know that's a phrase from uh, Jacqueline Novogratz in her book a manifesto for a moral revolution she has a TED talk on this as well Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's I'm, I'm less interested, to be honest, around the trophy at the end of this. I'm more interested in how do you do the work that allows you to become the next best version of who you are? Right. Because I think if you're the next best version of who you are, then there is a chance where you have that conversation with somebody in a grocery store and it changes everything. Right. And there is a chance that you have that, you role model away way of being to your children or to your partner or to whoever, and it changes everything. And sure, your worthy goal might be to start Facebook, but that's for most of us, that's not the case. For most of us, our worthy goal is to try and build a relationship in a different way, or write a book, or connect in your neighborhood in a different way. I do think that it is a thousand, thousand small actions that contribute to the greater good, and you're never quite sure which ones will take off and which ones won't. But if more of us are willing to try and take that on. I just think it gives us better odds. I'm just trying to play the odds.
0: That's great. And it's interesting that you bring up Jacqueline Novogratz. I know Mike Novogratz, who's you know billionaire investor. Yeah. And it's interesting to see the two paths that they've taken. And they're both right. having an impact. And they're both having very different impacts that are very in sync with who they are. Like that's right. very connected with who they are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, her work is wonderful. You know, she she created and founded and runs this company called Acumen, which is like a nonprofit venture capitalist. They find people who are doing great work, and they're like, "Here's how we bring the same discipline that a venture capitalist would bring, but to projects that we think contribute to more to the world than they you know give more to the world than they take." Right.
0: So let's take a walk through your book. The first part (laughs) is to set a worthy goal. Right. How to figure out. Um, how to figure out what's worth taking on. How do we figure that out?
1: Yeah, well, I think part of it is you take some time. First of all, you give yourself permission to think about setting a worthy goal. And then you don't get seduced into thinking that the first worthy goal you come up with is actually the worthy goal. You know, if if anybody knows any of my previous work around the coaching questions, you'll know one of my favorite questions is, so what's the real challenge here for you? Because I have a hypothesis that we spend too much time working on and trying to solve things that aren't actually the real problem. So really the question that underlies this is the question, what's the real worthy goal here for you? So, you know, the starting point is understand thrilling and important and daunting, which you know people get already. Thrilling, lights you up, important, gives more to the world. Daunting, helps you learn and grow at the edge of your competence and your confidence and your sense of self. But then you go, okay, so I can look around and I'm like, okay, where would I find a worthy goal? Some people will know it. Some people are already like, oh, no, it's in my head. I've just been waiting for somebody to give me permission to do it, but some people need to look for it, Peter. So it's like, is it at work or is it outside work? You know, is it at an intimate scale or is it a broad scale? What kind of game are you wanting to play there? Is it about the project or is it about people or is it about your own patterns? So there are different places to look. But once you take a guess, take a guess at what your worthy goal is, I think one of the powerful things you can do is you can hold it up to three tests. There's a test for thrilling, there's a test for important, and there's a test for daunting. So Let me go through those quickly. Thrilling, the test is the spouse-ish test. So if you're lucky in your life, you have somebody who is just a kind of best friend, who knows you, who's seen your patterns, who's heard all your jokes, who still laughs at some of your jokes, and they've just got a sense of who you are and how you show up in the world. And the test here is to go, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you reckon? And you can do this in real life or you can do it as a thought experiment. How, how are they going to react? And I reckon they're going to say one of three things. Brilliant. Definitely you should go do that. No, terrible idea. Definitely do not do that. That's nuts. Or third one is something along the lines of, yes, but could you stop talking about it and go off and do it? Because it's getting really boring hearing you going on and on about that. And neither of these things, uh, any of those responses are the truth, but there's somebody who knows you, who you can calibrate what your worthy goal might be against. So that's the spousish test. Helps with the thrilling. It's like, does it speak to you or or not? The important test is um, what I call the FOSO test, which I know sounds like somewhere funky in New York, but F or like some version of FOMO, but FOSO for the sake of. So as you look at your worthy goal, you get to ask yourself, for the sake of what might I take this on? And it just invites you to get beyond yourself and think about, well, what's the bigger picture that this might be contributing to? And then the daunting test is the Goldilocks zone test, which is, as you kind of look at it, you know, in in astronomy, um, the Goldilocks zone is that place where a planet can exist near a star where water is liquid, not too hot, not too cold. So the Goldilocks zone is like, it doesn't have the right weight for you. Does it have enough heft? So it's big enough to be stretch you and be difficult, but it's not so big that it is important. And it's not so small that it's, it's trivial. So I think putting your worthy goal through this series of tests just allows you to edit it, tighten it, draft it. And you want to go through a series of tests. So you, and then you're like, this is my best guess. This feels thrilling enough and important enough and daunting enough for me to take on.
0: Um, I love that. And, and it, you. it's, you know, like we need, we need ways of, of, um, kind of measuring our response to the things that excite us in a sense, right? Mm. Like to, to sort of say like, yeah, that's, that's meeting these criteria. I'm curious, you know, my, when I think, when I put myself through that lens, yeah, I've got at least, at least <laughs> 10 worthy goals, yeah. right? And, and there's a piece which I've found in my own experience, which is, am I like, I could coach all the time. I could write books. I Mm. could build a company. I could build a company that I'm working in. I could build a company that I'm working on and that I hire a bunch of people to work in. I could run training programs. I've done all of these things right over the course of my career. Some of them I've liked, some of them I haven't liked as much. Some of them, you know, like there's a lot of experimentation that goes on and I'm wondering like. You know there are some people for whom they might approach this and they can immediately say yes this is the something that draws me there's some people who don't know where to start and there's Mm -hmm. some people who have too many places to go and i'm curious what advice you have about narrowing down to the worthy goal you then want to commit to
1: yeah because i i share your pain peter I'm a, I'm a shiny object syndrome sort of guy myself. Like I'm always coming up with ideas and I'm like, oh, this is another genius idea from me. You know, in 24 hours, it's always less genius because, you know, the, the delusion has dropped a little. But if you're one of those people who just goes, look, I've got a bunch of things I could be doing, then you face kind of one of these just adult moments, which is being an adult is making a choice. And in my experience, it's very hard to do, even two worthy goals at the same time. I, I've tried it and it means that I end up just pushing two peanuts forward slowly uh, rather than feeling what it means to, to really commit to a singular worthy goal. Doesn't yeah. Mean and by the work.
0: way, I just want to give credibility to your advice here, which is that I, I heard this from you. We must've had dinner five years ago, more than right. five years ago. I remember I that really remember. longer,
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I remember I, I asked you or someone at the table asked you this question of like, you know, what's the, what's the greatest thing that you've learned? And one of the things you've learned is like to, to really be willing to say no to things in order to focus on the one thing that you want to commit to the most.
1: And I, and I don't like doing that at all. And I am and not wired to do that at all. It is a learned discipline. And I don't even do it all the time. I know I spout it off as advice. I wish I followed my own advice as often as I give it, um, but it's it's hard. But I think part of this is the 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 why it's worth going through the process of testing your ideas. It's like, how much of a worthy goal is this? What does it look like? And and picking one, like you know, Peter, you could commit to going. Look, I'm going to build something extraordinary as a coach, and I'm just going to become a more brilliant as a coach. I'm going to go next level as a coach. It could be that, or it could be a new book from you. Or it could be a new business, or it could be a commitment to build something in your neighborhood, or it could be something about your family. I mean, you've got a bunch of options, but you know, really, if I was working with you on this, I'd be going, so for who you are right now, what's your best guess at the one you have to choose and you can put the others away and they, they will still be there for you to come back to in a little while. And And the way I think about taking on a worthy goal is, you know, it it, it needs to, it's probably going to take some months to get done. Sometimes it's, you know, minimum, I would say of three months, but it's probably six months or 12 months, something like that. It's It's got some weight to it. But the way I've been working on worthy goals and kind of teaching other people around it is we do six week sprints. So we go, right, what can I achieve on this worthy goal in six weeks? And we just go for it. And we're like, I'm giving this my commitment for six weeks. Because in six weeks, you can make real progress on something. But also, the, the sunk cost isn't too great. You, you're not like, I've been working on this for 12 years. It's hard for me to let it go. You're like, I'm just going to work for it on six weeks. And then if, after six weeks, I take a week or two to reset and go, all right, what, do, what have I learned?
0: <laughs> Actually, but, what they would suggest for a good workout schedule. Like, yeah. work out hard for six weeks and then take a week off.
1: That's neat. Well, it, it, it draws on, you know, wisdom of from agile and from the folks at Basecamp in terms of how they do product development and product launches. So, and, and just my own experience of, of managing change and complexity, which is when you do the work, you make progress. After the end of six weeks, you stop and you go, where am I now? Right. What have I learned? What do I know now that I didn't know before? What can I celebrate what am i sad about and what does this tell me about what's next because m- much of the time you're going right so now i get to define the next leg of the journey and sometimes right. you'll go this was just a terrible idea <laughs> and it's time and, to step aside
0: and so you're you're because of the time frame you're not saying this is what you're going to devote your life to and right. you're not saying that this has to be the only thing what you're saying is focus on something that's really worthy and commit to it. And we're going to talk about commit in two seconds. And, uh, and it might be for the year. It might be for six months. It might be for six weeks, but it, it, it lowers the bar a little bit by saying it might Mm. be something different next year. It might not, but it's, you know, you're going to get some traction on this traction is the most important thing.
1: You know, I I was talking to a woman just before we got on this conversation, Peter, and she was saying, look, I'm, she's working through this worthy goal process and she's like you know i i brought to it a book i've been working on for 2 years and i've invested you know you know what it's like writing a book it's the hard work and it's a bit miserable and she's invested you know editorial guidance and stuff so she's spent time and money on this thing and what she's come to the conclusion at the end of her 6 weeks as a kind of focused worthy goal is she's lost the joy of this book <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's no longer a worthy goal that's serving her and she's just now stepping back, going, So this isn't, this book isn't it. <laughs> so now what? And as sad as that is in some ways, it's actually remarkably courageous and liberating. It, I was go, just going
0: to say, courage was the word I was going to use. It's oh, very courageous to drop a goal,
1: it is very courageous. And particularly one where when she started, you know, writing a book, you often have these fantasies about this is the book that will help me be discovered and help me become famous and help me you know, this, that, and the other, which just Sell doesn't a million happen. Copies. <laughs> I got lucky once, but for <laughs> most of us, you know, most of my books, that's not the case at all. So, um, yeah, it takes real courage to do that. But I think right. this is, this is the insight, which is, um, make, make a commitment, hold it lightly but hold, hold, it, hold it seriously when you're doing it, but know that there'll be moments to stop and pause, and these are good moments, and go, what am I learning? And uh, is this still a yes, or do I need to think again?
0: And equally important, it sounds like, is don't keep questioning yourself every day. Set a time frame for right. which you're not going to question yourself, and then at the end of that, you can ask your question, is this really the worthy goal that I want?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, what comes to mind is all the financial advice that you get given if you hold stocks and shares, which is, do not check the stock market every day, <laughs> because right. all you'll get is ebbs and flows and ups and downs and angst. But if but if you check it every, I don't know, six, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not a financial advisor. No, you so, just reminded check it, me though. Check it every three months or six months, and you go. You what, just reminded
0: what, me where where the Nasdaq's down about two and a half percent. So uh so you're right we probably buy or sell or buy and
1: sell (laughs) yeah exactly
0: talk to and you may have already talked to us about this piece but but talk to us a little bit about the commit how do you know for sure that you're committing look this is
1: the question which is like are you up for it because if you've gone through in, in the book i recommend three drafts you end up with a strong final draft and it's a draft because you're never quite sure but now you've got a serious question to ask yourself which is are you up for this or not? And the insight behind this, Peter, is we are far more committed to the status quo than we realize. It's much harder for it because when you take on a worthy goal, you disrupt the status quo. You're actually saying, you know what? I'm I'm breaking a pattern. I'm breaking expectations held by myself, of myself and by others of myself. This is going to be a bit of a disruptive act by me taking this on am I really up for it? So there's one question asked twice, which is really the, 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 commit process. The first step is this, you go, imagine having done all this work to define a worthy goal. You decide to walk away from it. You decide you're not going to take on your worthy goal because that is one of your choices. What are the prizes and punishments of that decision? What are the benefits and what are the, what's the cost of that decision? Because there are definitely prizes and punishments. The prizes are, it's not disruptive. I'm not putting stuff at risk. I'm not, I'm not risking my own reputation, my own sense of self. I'm not risking relationships. I'm not risking time and money. There's a way that maintaining the status quo, there are benefits to maintaining it because you're doing okay. But then you look at the punishments. What's the price you would pay And others would pay if you didn't take on this worthy goal. And not only does that kind of tell you what you're walking away from for you, but it also tells you that what would happen if the people who would be, who would benefit from your worthy goal didn't get that because you didn't work on it. And what would happen to the world if you weren't working on your, on your worthy goal and you're kind of weighing it up and going prizes and punishments, which one outweighs the other one. And you want, a sense of punishments to our weigh the prizes of not doing a worthy goal. Then you just ask the same question, but now the, the the focus has changed. So now it's like imagine you were fully committed to this worthy goal. What are the punishments and what are the prizes of that? And the prizes are often obvious. You're like, you know what, this is good for me, it's thrilling, it's important, and daunting. You kind of get excited around that. But the punishments ask you to look at what's at risk if you were to take this on. So the They're kind of mirror images or reverse images of each other, but it's an examining the current state and the future state and asking prizes and punishments, what happens? And if you don't have punishments outweigh the first question, if I didn't take this on, and if you don't have prizes outbalance the second question, what if I fully committed to this? It means you probably haven't quite yet got the worthy goal that's right for you. But mm. if the equation works in your, your, your thing, you're like, you've, you've, you're seeing what's at risk here and you're seeing what's to be gained. Now's the time for you to cross the threshold.
0: Let's talk about crossing the threshold.
1: Sure. Three things to think about as you cross the threshold because I can't get you to the end point because the end point may change and evolve and it's a worthy goal, so who knows. But as you start moving, there are three things to consider. The first is this, that you want to move in small steps. It is, it's not like, you know, you cross the threshold, you enter into the address, into your Google maps, and it's like, okay, it's 17 minutes and here's the, here's the destination. It's much more like you're, you're in a jungle, a mist covered valley in front of you. There's a peak on the other side and you're trying to figure your way through an unknown land. And the idea is, and this kind of connects back to the six weeks thing we were talking about earlier, Peter. You want to keep moving, but you want to be kind of edging your way forward. And just like you navigate in in wilderness, you know, you you get to a landmark, you stop, you reorient, you get your compass out, you get your map out, you decide the next path of the journey, and then you head to the next piece. So small steps is critical. The second piece is you want to remember the best of who you are. Um, You know, when we take on this worthy goal that is daunting, meaning we haven't done this thing before, it puts you under pressure and it makes you question yourself. So there's a, there's a way of understanding what the best version of you is like, so that in those moments of doubt and concern and ambiguity and uncertainty, you're, you're able to kind of come back to that, oh, this is who I am when I'm at my best. How do I reconnect to that to give me the best chance to keep traveling forward? And the third thing I think about crossing the threshold, Peter, is you want to figure out who you're traveling with because it's really hard to do this by yourself. You know, we've got a culture which kind of praises the, the, the lone hero. Um, and it's, you know, it's bollocks. <laughs> it's, just, it's just wrong. And if you want to pursue a worthy goal, if you want to unlock the best of you by taking on the hard things, you've got to find the people to travel with. There's a way of going, who, who supports you emotionally? Who gives you a degree of courage and fierceness? Where do you go to for wisdom and guidance? Where do you go f- to for vision and ambition? And it's like building up those people around you helps you travel forward.
0: I, I love this whole process, and Thank you. and the and and you're sort of really touching on these three pieces of it, right? The three uh, parts of setting the goal, committing, and then and then getting started. The threshold.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, there, I have two questions. One is, how do we um, avoid the process getting in the way of us started, right? Like mm. there's some ways in which I could say, okay, I want to write fiction. So let me think about what a worthy goal is. And I'm going to come I'm across it. And three weeks later, I'm sort of still setting up mm. my approach to writing fiction. And I haven't written my first word yet, which is the hardest yeah. part. And I, I find myself <laughs> You know, to do list creating lots of to-do lists are often oh, yeah. a way of like stopping myself from actually doing anything. So <laughs> I'm curious what advice you have around that.
1: Yeah, I wish I wish that wasn't so familiar, Peter. The I'll create a whole <laughs> lot of to-do lists in in, in pseudo-action. Right. So look, I feel I feel people's pain around this. Um, I was just I've I've just come to the end of a six week burst around my own worthy goal at the moment. And reflecting back on it, I'm like. I'm having real trouble closing, closing the deal in the broader sense. You know I'm 95 percent of the way on about seven things, and now I'm just prevaricating and procrastinating around kind of getting a bunch of things over the line. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting, just watching myself avoid the final step. So it's part of why it's useful like, to, to do the six-week burst is you get to stop every now and then and go, "What am I noticing?" not failure, mm-hmm. but feedback. What's, what's showing up here. Right. But I, I do think Peter, in some ways, this comes down to um, who do you have in your corner that's helping you out with that? Because, you know, if you and I were hanging out and, you know, we go down somewhere cool, you take me to some cool bar in New York. Uh, and I go, so how, how's the thing going, Peter? And you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I've been really thinking about it. And so far I've got this to-do list. I would go particularly after my second beer I go so you're just wasting time then because you're just prevaricating <laughs> and I'm like and I know this bit because I'm doing the same right now and you'd you'd ask me a question you go so Michael how's your thing going I'm like well yeah fair point I am also prevaricating right. so
0: you know I um, wonder I wonder actually as I listen to you whether well I wonder what you think of this advice because I'm thinking about this whole process and I think like. Let's say your worthy goal, whatever it is, is to write a book or to, you know, impact hunger in your community or whatever it is. Like, I wonder whether what you think of the suggestion of saying, get the book, start to work through it. But every day that you work through the book, spend 20 percent of the time actually moving forward with that thing, no matter what it is, making calls to the community, writing on the blank page, like whatever it is, like just get started yeah. As you are as you are going through the process of like how to begin, you're literally beginning as you're thinking about how to begin and planning to how to begin.
1: It's it's a great, it's a great idea, Peter. You know, that the, the your, people remember me saying, take small steps. In in that section, I talk about three different types of small steps that you can take. One is histories, one is experiments, one is practices. History is when you just do a thought experiment and you're like, when have I done stuff like this before? And how do I how do I remember me actually making progress on something like this that could feel daunting? So there's a reminder that even as you sit there going, oh, this is all new and it's a bit scary. You've taken on something like this before. But I really like the 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 middle step, the experiment step, which is to go, look, it's something scary like this. Don't feel like you have to have a nine-month plan to to on all the things you're going to do. Just conduct experiments to make little bits of progress that teach you as you go along. But above and beyond all else, Peter, I do think this idea of ongoing commitments to small steps of action can make all the difference. I'm going to read out a quote that I read, came across just the other day from Frederick Douglass, you know, um, a great emancipationalist from the US. I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer. Until I prayed with my legs. And I think that's, that, that speaks to it, which is like, you know what, a commitment to make small steps. And there's a thousand things on this, you know, the Seinfeld method, make a cross on the calendar or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you spend your whole time just thinking about your worthy goal, you're not working on your worthy goal.
0: I, I love it. And, I, and by the way, I, I always remember this um, Abraham Joshua Heschel, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel when he was doing um, a lot of work in civil rights. And now I sort of know where he got it, but he said that he was praying with his feet, oh, right? Nice. Like by, by doing this marching. So it's so same thing. I have a really good idea for you, Michael. And I don't know if you're going to take me up on it or. Um, I, I read a lot of young adult fiction because I try to read what my children read. Me too. And so I'm hard.
1: married to a I'm married to a YA librarian, so I read a lot. Oh,
0: that's awesome! So I'm so I'm sure we've read a lot of the same books, and almost every book I read comes in a trilogy, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's never just like a single book, but exactly. it's a continuation. And I I see a re and I and I'm actually I'm sharing this idea with humor, but also with utmost seriousness which is you've tackled one major problem with this book, How to Begin. There are two yeah. other major problems in order to <laughs> accomplish anything, and you're good at all of them, right? You've built right. businesses, you've yeah. built amazing books, you have a speaking career. You're. Um. There's a book called How to Begin. Then yeah. there's a book called How to Continue. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a third book called How to Finish.
1: I love right? that.
0: And yeah. they, they're really, they tackle, you know, there are people who have a hard time beginning. There are people who they yeah. can get started, but... But they get stuck in the dip in the middle and it's a struggle and it's a long haul and there's times when you don't see change and and it's and then finally it's like how do i wrap this up to create something i I I think this would fit beautifully in a trilogy
1: you know um the guy called scott belsky who wrote a book called the messy middle so all i need to do is just take his book and plagiarize it and i'll have the second book out before the end of the year it's that sounds promising And, I, you know uh, what it's, it's a great idea actually I, I will mull that over i'll give you full credit if i get that across the line i uh but you know what I, here's the thing though those are both worthy those are two worthy goals so part of what i've now got is i have got to look at those and i go what else have i got on my plate and what choices right. am i going to make around that
0: right right beautiful we have been talking with michael bungay stanier his book uh that comes out uh on january 11th i believe That's right. Uh, And it is available for pre order now. I checked on Amazon and I highly suggest you go out and pre order it. It both helps the author. And also, when you pre order a book and you do it far enough in advance, then you forget that you did it. (laughs) And then suddenly, in the new oh, year, exactly right. you get this gift that you gave to yourself that you don't even remember that you gave to yourself that is exactly what you need in the moment as you're thinking about beginning things in the new year. You get his book called How to Begin. So I highly suggest that you do that. Thank you, Peter. Uh, and and Michael, it's it's always a pleasure talking to yes. you. And I'm delighted you wrote this. And I'm delighted that you came on. Thank you for being on the Bregman Leadership Podcast. Peter,
1: it's such a pleasure. Thank you. You're a very gracious host. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the Bregman Leadership Podcast, then you also might enjoy my newest book, You Can Change Other People. You can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold or by going to BregmanPartners.com forward slash new book. That's one word. If you've already enjoyed the book and found it useful, consider telling a friend or leaving a review on Amazon leaving a review helps retailers recommend the book to others just like you so it's really helpful thanks to claire marshall for producing this episode thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next great conversation